we caught something on film. <laughs> Come on. What did dude. it look like? A ball of light that travels horizontally through the air, stops, hovers, glows, and then changes direction goes up slightly and heads back in the direction that it came from. I literally just got chills. Hello, I'm Alexi Toliopoulos. And I'm Jen Fricker. And welcome to Lived It. This is the podcast where we speak to everyday Aussies and Kiwis who didn't just watch the show or movie that everyone's been banging on about. They, in fact, lived it. And on this episode, we're chatting to Ruby Jones, who you might know as an investigative journalist. She hosts the 7am podcast, but also Mm. she's a UFO hunter. Not unlike the journalist Mike Myers plays one of my all-time heroes in a show that I feel like I've been waiting for my whole life, The Pentaveret. So as the Pentaveret series starts, one unlikely Canadian journalist finds himself on a mission to find out the truth about a shadowy cult that may be controlling the New World Order. But of course, the Pentaveret never want to be exposed. Before we give away too much info, let's have a listen to the trailer. In 1347, five learned men realised that the Black Plague was caused by fleas on rats. However, the church believed the plague to be God's punishment, labelling these five men heretics. So they formed a benevolent secret society to influence world events known as the Pentaveret. The Pentaveret, what the fuck? This is big for me, Jen. We are talking about the Pentaveret right now. It is a show on Netflix from my all-time greatest hero in the history of comedy, cinema, lifestyles, everything, Mr. Mike Myers from Austin Powers, Wayne's World, Saturday Night Live, the love guru, the cat in the hat, the voice of Shrek. He's my I, he's my idol, man. Yeah. I love him. I love him. I love him. If you haven't changed it out already, Alexi does a brilliant podcast called My Check, mm-hmm. and it goes into to the entire cinematic history of Mike Myers. We checked in on the filmography of Mike Myers just to see if they're still shagadelic. The answer is yes, they are still (laughs) shagadelic, baby. And I've been anticipating a return from Mike for a long time. This is like the second coming of Christ for me, basically. (laughs) And I'm not exaggerating. You know, he has not made a TV show or a movie for a long time. And this is like the first time where it's like his fully formed voice coming back into the realm. I'm nervous. I'm excited talking about it. But this basically is a show that involves conspiracy theories, stuff like the Illuminati. The Pentaveret is kind of like the Illuminati, where it's a, a group of men that oversee the entire world. But the premise is... What if they were good instead of evil and they're trying to do nice things to the world? And also, what if they were all played by Mike Myers? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, sign me up for life. That's what I want the world to actually be. And it's also the theory that I've been concocting. Mike Myers controls the universe. Wow, that's huge. We should get into that on a different episode. (laughs) There's one of the characters that Mike Myers plays on this show is called Ken Scarborough. He's a journalist, kind of like a puff PC, silly, happy, end of news story kind of journalist. But he finds it upon himself to start investigating the conspiracies. Reminds me very much of Ruby Jones, who is our guest on today's episode. You know them as the host of the 7am podcast. They're a very respected investigative journalist. Not only is Ruby Jones one of the best young journalists Mm -hmm. in this country, no one more adept than her at holding politicians and those in power to account. She's a UFO hunter. She even went out into the deserts Mm -hmm. of Central Australia 
to see if she could find UFOs. She was trying to make a documentary about them. Let's talk to Ruby. I'm so excited. Ruby Jones, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, it's good to be here. Now, people may not know this about you, but you actually went out into the desert and decided to look for UFOs. What made you decide to do it? Yeah, so this was a little while ago now, but I have always been interested in UFOs. So I grew up in the Northern Territory in Darwin and there's this newspaper there, the NT News, and growing up they always had stories about UFOs, right? And they generally have like iconic headlines too, right? Always quite sensational. <laughs> yeah, crocodiles, UFOs. <laughs> is kind of the- <laughs> All the exciting news happens up north, we know it. Yeah, and the stories were quite serious. They'd have reports of like sightings and like, eyewitness accounts of people who'd seen Oh balls of light descending and crop circles. Mm. And there was once this story about like a whole town that had, I don't know, had some sort of visitation. So I kind of grew up oh reading these God. stories and like thinking that, you know, this was something that happened essentially. And there was this like guy who was quoted a lot in the Northern Territory News. He was this um, UFO hunter. Yeah. In 2016, I was looking for a project. Mm -hmm. I I kind of just wanted to kind of try and make some sort of documentary. And I was thinking about what it could be. And yeah, so I called this guy in, in Darwin to kind of talk to him about his work. Oh, this is so up my alley, dude. I'm so like fascinated by this. You're a journalist, so you have to have some kind of like skepticism, also have to have some kind of belief. Did you go in with the idea that this is possible or did you go in thinking that, you know, more sceptical about the idea of UFOs? I was definitely sceptical, yeah. I mean, I'd been working in newsrooms for the past few years. I'm very much like I only believe what I see with my own eyes. You've been trained well, I see. Definitely a sceptic. <laughs> and so you went out there, you met with this man. Were you like in your heart of hearts expecting to see anything or were you expecting to go out there and see nothing? Definitely not. So what happened was I called this guy in Darwin and basically he was like, look, I actually have the answers, but um, the information can't be told publicly. Like, I cannot do an interview with you. I can't go with you. I can't take you into it because it's just too much for you and I don't think that you'd be able to handle it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So he, like, turned me down. Like, I spoke to him a lot, but he eventually was like, no, like, I just don't think that you're ready. (gasps) But he was like, I've got a colleague. Uh, in central Australia, so like near Alice Springs. And he was like, maybe you could try him. And so I ended up calling the second guy called Keith. And I spoke to him quite a lot. And he eventually, so he'd actually retired. Um, He'd been like the the UFO expert in Alice Springs um, for 10 years, but he'd retired a few years earlier. And so I had to kind of convince him to come out of retirement and take me out. Um, And he was like a little reluctant at first because he was like, you know, that's my old life. Like I don't really do it so much anymore. Um, But he used to be like a regular on the scene. Like he was the guy that if you had seen a UFO in the Northern Territory, you would call him and he would like log it, right? Like he had all of this like research. He was like this kind of one man sort of setup. Anyway, he did agree to come out of retirement. This is so cool. I didn't even know this was a job you could retire from. Yeah. I feel like this is a lifelong calling. Like, well, I mean it, I'm going to stick around till the end. I mean, it's not like easy work, right? He would he was out there twice a week, every Wednesday and every Sunday, wow. his special UFO viewing spot all night. 
um, you know, waiting for UFOs to arrive. So I guess it's like quite time consuming and also fielding a lot of calls. He said he got, I think, about four calls a week from people who said they'd seen UFOs and then he had to try and verify it and work out, you know, what it was that he'd actually seen. He said a lot of them weren't actually UFOs. So I think it was quite a bit of work and, you know, he decided that it was enough um, until I got in touch. So what was Keith like in person when you finally met him? He was really nice. He was really friendly and he was quite funny. And he was also very matter of fact Mm. about UFOs, right? Like I came in kind of not really necessarily knowing what I thought about them. And he was extremely matter of fact about their existence and what he'd seen and like with his documents. And yeah, that was pretty interesting. I'm still trying to compute everything because I'm feeling like I'm already becoming a true believer. I think I already do believe. <laughs> do you have an inkling that there was like life out there and they would visit Central Australia? Definitely. Yeah. He had seen um, multiple UFOs himself. Wow. And he took us to a spot close to where he'd had, I think, his most recent sighting, which had been three orbs, he said. And he, he said it wasn't just him. I think there were about six people with him. Um, and he'd seen that. But throughout his lifetime, he'd had many, many sightings himself. So there was no doubt in his mind um, that this was real. Do wow. you have theories as to why they're visiting this part of Australia, this part of the world? So the way he described it to me was that there are UFO highways, um, just like highways for oh. cars, but they're obviously in space. And so the spot that um, we were at happened to kind of just be coincidentally, um, you know, where a highway crossed over. Um, so that was kind of one of the things that he told me. The other thing that he spoke about and the place that he took us to was near Pine Gap. I don't know if mm. you guys know about Pine Gap. No. I've heard Pine Gap, but I'd love to hear it from you. Yeah. So it's like kind of famous among people who are interested in UFOs. They talk about it like it's Australia's Area 51, which is that place in the US in the Nevada desert, the kind of top secret military base. It's been there since the 70s. um, And it's basically like a joint US-Australian defense facility, but it's very secretive. Like no one really knows exactly what happens there. Um, You can't get close to it at all. There's these big like signs as soon as you get close, there's a dead end road and it tells you to go back and you can't actually see it. If you climb a hill near Alice Springs, you can see it. It's just basically these big white domes um, that make up the base. Yeah. So I I've climbed um, the McDonald Ranges, which is um, where you can kind of, like, it's from a distance, but you can see the domes from there. So I've, I've seen it, yeah. People who are interested in UFOs, they have a lot of theories about Pine Gap, right? You know, mm. about the things that, that happen there. Um, there's a lot of talk about, you know, what they might be doing there and that, you know, they might be investigating, um, you know, life in space, communicating with the aliens. I mean, I don't have any firsthand accounts of any <laughs> of this myself, but if you look it up, there are lots of reports on the internet of people having seen things in the vicinity of Pine Gap, like an underground entrance or reports of orbs of lights and, you know, those sorts of things. Wow. So you get out there into the desert, you meet up with Keith, you're a sceptic before you come and you're talking to him, you're seeing Pine Gap. Was there a moment where you were like, shit, maybe there is actually something out here? (laughs) So what happened, um, so we, we set up and 
he brought deck chairs out with him. So we were like laying back on these big deck chairs. We had blankets, we had food, um, we had hot drinks, we had the night sky above us. It, there was something quite gentle about it all. And we would just had the camera rolling the whole time. And I was sitting on the deck chairs, like chatting away. And then at some point during the night, we like reviewed the footage. We caught something on film. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> What dudes. did it look like? <laughs> Okay, so what it looks like is a ball of light that travels horizontally through the air, stops, hovers, glows, and then changes direction, goes up slightly and heads back in the direction that it came from. I literally just got chills. Oh, my God. Did you try to rationalise that at all? Was there? Could you come up with anything like, oh, it's this thing where the light hits this, uh, your eye, like a... Big pizza pie. I don't know. Did you try and come well, with you're anything? Like, That's amore. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know what it was, right? And I still don't know what it was. But we spoke to Keith about it, and we were looking at the vision with Keith, being wow. like, "What was that?" And he was like, "Well, it's not a plane because the planes, when you see them out here, have little red lights around them, yep. and you can see them." And so he's like, "It's not like a plane." Like on the wings and stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then he said, "It's not a satellite because satellites don't um, do the change of direction that this kind of." does and then he said the way that it glows when it stops is very typical of ufos lord almighty Mm. it's very funny so on the footage you can actually see me sitting in the deck chair chatting away and then i get up and leave and walk out of frame and that's when it comes in (laughs) they were like ruby's ruby's not looking quickly go 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 it's our chance (laughs) oh my god so was that your only sighting or did you see anything else that kind of made you believe that there's something going on out there um, no, that was all. But we, I, I spoke to a lot of people. I mean, he told me about all the things that he had seen over the mm. years and I did lots of interviews. So I also spoke to um, a scientist, an astronomer, and I was just sort of getting him to explain the night sky in Central Australia to me. I was like, just, you know, tell me about how it all looks, how it works, what planets we can see. I didn't actually go to him thinking that he would have a story about a UFO. But then halfway through the interview, he kind of was like, oh, yeah. And also, like, obviously, I've seen a UFO. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? Um, And then he told me about this experience he had. And it was this feeling that the more people I spoke to, specifically in Central Australia, the more people told me that, oh, yeah, like, they had seen something. They had had this experience. And it kind of seemed like it was a common thing to have seen some sort of light or some have some sort of experience that couldn't be explained. Yeah. Are you changed from this experience? Like hearing all these people report back to you that they have seen something. I'm probably more open-minded than I was. As soon as you talk to anyone who's interested in space, right, they will tell you that there is more that we don't know than what we do about what's out there, right? Like, I think that's actually, I know it sounds kind of out there, but Mm. as soon as you start talking to people in this area, that's where you get to very quickly. Everyone's like, yeah, we kind of don't know. There is so much that we don't know. Do you still talk to Keith? No, I haven't spoken to Keith in quite a long time because the thing is I never actually made the documentary. Um, So I would have gotten back in touch with him once I'd put it together. So I have all the footage, but I've never actually made it into the film. And is that because the government are trying to keep you from exposing the truth? (laughs) Blink. If if the government are trying to shut you down, Ruby. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, it's just because I've been too Okay, very convenient answer. Mm, That's what they want you to say. (laughs) While the documentary wasn't finished, you did get something else out of it. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so I had like a slight ulterior motive in making the documentary. So I did really want to make a film about UFOs and I was really interested, but I also had a crush on someone who was wow. a filmmaker. Um, <laughs> I love this. This is the good stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, he was just starting out as a cinematographer and so he was trying to build up his showreel and he was like desperate to film stuff. It was like all he would talk about would go on these dates and he'd just be like talking about lighting and film and things that he wanted to make. Anyway, I had this gigantic crush on him, like not a small crush, like a really, really like proper big crush. And he kind of was like a little bit interested in me, but I could tell that he wasn't as far gone as I was. And so I thought if I pitched him this film to make with me, um, he would have to be in a car with me for, I think it was two to three weeks that we wow. were driving up and down the Stuart Highway. He'd be like in this car only with me. I would have his full attention and I would be able to convince him to fall in love with me. Yep. Are you soulmates now? <laughs> yeah, we're engaged. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. So what you're saying it is worked. <laughs> it worked. What a romantic location yeah. to spend with someone too. Just like, yeah. oh, we're just going to go look at the stars. <laughs> for a few nights. Yeah, it was a good plan, wasn't it? Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Dan was totally oblivious, by the way, to this being my plan at all for, like, years. He just thought I really wanted to make a documentary. <laughs> this is one of the great moves I've ever heard as well, to go, hey, I got an idea for our next date, three weeks where we follow <laughs> UFOs around Australia. That's I cool think it's as awesome. hell, yeah. So not only are UFOs real, but I guess... So is love. Uh, oh, my gosh. Jen, <laughs> adorable. <laughs> um, Ruby, thank you so much for chatting to us. I guess the truth is really out there. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby, this was so sick. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I had a time of my life. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk about this stuff. Honestly, when the Pentaveret came across our desk, we had to go out there and find someone. I didn't think we'd find anyone that could kind of fit into this far out world that Mike Myers has created. But Ruby Jones fits the freaking bill. I love it. I love to know that there are like very, very seasoned journalists mm-hmm. who are still out there questioning the reality that we're living in. Absolutely. If anything, it's probably terrible for a reputation to be on this <laughs> podcast. But I love it. She's risking it all. You gotta roll the dice to make it nice sometimes and I think that's what Mike Myers is doing on this show I would be honest with you guys this is a big deal for me that this show even freaking exists I've only seen the first two episodes so far I'm saving it I don't you know it's been a long time coming I don't know when it will happen again so I'm saving it saving it saving it and the main thing that I want to say so far Obviously, Mike's back. I love it. Mike Myers is back. I love to see him playing all these new characters. Nothing has excited me this much in a long time. But something I did not anticipate, this is a show directed by Tim Kirkby, who is known for his work on projects like Fleabag, Veep, and lots of more cool comedy stuff. I did not expect this show to be such like a visual aesthetic wonder something so interesting the show looks amazing yeah and like mike has been in some really stylish stuff before austin powers that's comedy and style meeting together wayne's world that's penelope spherus one of my favorite directors 
bringing this punk aesthetic to it all. But this has got like a really exciting, like Kubrickian kind of look to it all. Yeah, I mean, and you can obviously speak on this more than I can, but I guess like Doctor Evil and stuff was inspired by Doctor Strangelove, right? Yeah, Doctor Strangelove, Doctor No, all the doctors. All the, all the bad history. doctors. There are some moments you're like, oh, this is an homage to Eyes Wide Shut. Yes, This is an absolutely. homage to 2001 Space mm-hmm. Odyssey. And so I love that even at Mike Myers' level where yep. he didn't have to do this show, he could have easily just phoned it in if he wanted, he's still paying tribute to a yeah. cinematic tradition that is larger than himself. That is so beautiful that you've said that. It means a lot to me. I've said it before, Mike is comedy Stanley Kubrick. Wow. Yes, I've gone on the record. I've said it a lot of times. He goes Explain out in the wilderness, he comes back. We, you know, he's an auteur, Mike. All his things are from his voice, his projects. He goes out into the wilderness, he disappears for a long time, and he comes back, and he's an absolute perfectionist like a Kubrick as well. And I can feel that a lot in this project and why I kind of gestated Very for a long time. Like Very secretive, like Very secretive, yes. I love that. Oh, my God, Mike, darling, just love you. That's all I say. I love you, love you, love you, love you. So happy you're back. I'm so, so happy, happy to see you so oh. It's like I'm living in dream world. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love this. And Debbie Mazar's in it as well, one of my favorite character actors. Good lords. Debbie Mazar plays a femme fatale, kind of just like her character is like a hot woman, Mm -hmm. and she crushes it. And one thing that I'm always interested about, because Mike is so well known for playing multiple characters, where it's like, you know, interacts with himself and like 10 different versions of himself on screen. This has got a lot of that in it. But I always get excited about, like, who are the other comedy people he collaborates with and who he brings them in. And, of course, you've got, like, Keegan-Michael Key here. You've got Ken Jong, who I'm really excited about, is one of my other heroes, Jennifer Saunders oh. from Ab Fab. And, of French course, and French and Saunders, Shrek 2. She plays a fairy godmother. <laughs> so they already kind of know each other. But I'm excited to see them in a live action world because I think they are both like the king and the queen of the catchphrase comedy, which is a comedy I grew up with. So seeing them interact on screen together, freaking hell, dudes. And not even to mention Jeremy Irons is the freaking narrator of the show. Very regal, rich voice. Yeah. I think I live in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a wrap. The Pentaveret is available right now for your viewing pleasure on Netflix. And thank you so much to Ruby Jones for coming on the show. Do you have any conspiracy theories of your own that you are certain are in fact true? If you do, send us a DM on Insta at Netflix A and Z. Yeah, leave us a review on Apple or Spotify and tell us what your favourite conspiracy theory is. I always love hearing it. Mine is that Avril Lavigne is dead. Oh, I've heard of this one. And there's an imposter amongst us. That her record label cloned her Mm. years and years ago and that the clone has been walking around. She was a skater clone. She said, see you later, clone. (laughs) This podcast was recorded on Gadigal Land. And thank you so much, Joe executive producer Priya Tazade and producer Abby Lenton. And finally, thank you, dear listener, for listening to our show. Goodbye. Keep watching the skies. <laughs>